So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another episode of Sober in the State Soccer. This is Chris, MLS card guy. I am joined by Nashi all the way from London this week. How are you doing today, Nashi? I'm doing good, mate. Yeah, the other side of the pond for once. And uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to jump on with you guys. So pretty excited to be back. I do have a couple of bones to pick with you. Um, so you've put some sort of voodoo spell on my beloved West Ham since your trip here. So I want to hear a bit about that, a bit about what you've done, but... Yeah, it's been a tough time for West Ham. I went to a game, the Conference League game, midweek. We did get the win there, but it was a bit against the third division Swiss team or something like that. I'm not sure who we went against. But uh, yeah, it's been a rough one, rough run since uh, since you became a hammer. But I do appreciate you repping the gear there. So i um, got to give you props for that. But yeah, we'll get into that trip in a little bit. But yeah, we, were, we were at the game and and they were advertising the, the game that they were going to play in the con- was Conference League, right? Um, and I was like, who are these teams? Like, I've heard of a lot of teams in Europe. I have never heard of these two teams. Like, I have no idea where these guys are coming from. But yeah, for you guys watching on YouTube, decked out in my full West Ham gear. I got my scarf on. I got my my jersey on. Um, so we're we're trying to rep here on, on uh, Nashi's first day back. Uh, we are joined by, speaking of London, a guest that I met in London at the Sower Meetup. A really cool guy. This is Alex. How are you today, Alex? I'm good. Do you know what, Chris? I didn't, I didn't know we are actually going to be on YouTube, so I better put my... Uh my hat on okay uh, that was me just rub (laughs) it in my face that i didn't get one it's fine yeah 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 no i didn't get it either when he played that game with uh you know the most followers and that i kind of i was out the first round so i stole this from from robson but uh there we go no it's a pleasure to be on guys looking forward to talking about some soccer with you guys uh you know got some big shoes to fill your latest guests have been like you never walk alone the fellow loyal bob flynn and tom burger so yeah. We'll have some fun. We'll have some fun. So so speaking of Tom, we're just gonna put this out here. We're actually recording with Tom tomorrow. Uh as this comes Let's out, go. it'll be it'll be on Monday. So if you are listening to this on Monday and you have questions for Tom for it'll release next week at the normal time, but we'll actually be recording on Monday. So if you have questions, make sure you get them in and we'll we'll talk to Tom next week. Um yeah, it was it was great to meet you at the thing. I my sole purpose in life is to get some so rare merch at some point. So I am very <laughs> mad at you for having stolen that. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. We're we're excited to have you on. Um, just how tell you, us, wait, yeah, how tell us you, a little bit. Of, I was going to say, did you guys meet up before you went to London? Did you already have communication, or were you? Yeah, people just met up right there on the spot. No, we met up on on the Thursday night. Uh, I can't remember what that bar was called actually, Chris. It had some like super random name, but there was like I'm part of like the Loyals group, and there was all of us, and then. Chris and uh and Sora USA came with Sora Monkey and and then Nellis turned up, but like who knows what time. But I think we were we were quite a few pints deep at that point, right, Chris? <laughs> yes, we were. We were at this bar across the street, and it was we were literally like sitting in sand, like on a beach. Um, it wasn't on a beach, it was just like sand in the middle of their restaurant. It was really 
kind of odd. Um, but then we were like, yeah, the loyals were like across the streets. So we're like, okay, let's just go crash that party. So we went <laughs> over and, and had a few drinks and we're out a little bit too late. And that kind of set the tone for the whole, for the whole weekend here. But uh, yeah. yeah, we met, got to meet a lot of cool people. So it was, it was really fun to, uh, to get out and do that. And hopefully we can do more of that kind of thing in the future. I am absolutely um, gutted. I couldn't, I couldn't make that one. It's kind of like that thing where everyone's at the age now where like, if you got your missus and you say, I'm going on this so rare meetup. It's kind of an excuse to have a, a weekend away with the lads. You know what I mean? They don't know what it's about. They don't want to know. It's like, all right, it's your internet friends. Get out there. And it sounds like you lot, uh, got after it pretty hard. So fair play to you. But yeah. Yeah, we definitely had a wonderful weekend. Um, and yeah, I still hate Nellis because he didn't give me any merchandise. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, so Alex, give us a little bit about your backstory. Like you're, you're obviously from England. You don't uh, have any natural affinity for the MLS, but you kind of gotten into it because of So Rare. Um, so tell yeah. us kind of why you chose the MLS, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, um, and just kind of a little bit about how, how you kind of got into it. Yeah, of course. I mean, like you said, I'm from like the southwest of England. I support Southampton. Diehard like Premier League fan and know nothing about the MLS. Like if you talk, if you asked me to talk about the MLS like three years ago, I'd say like Seattle Sounders are pretty good. But, you know, like because that's the perception we have from like from over here. If you have no idea, like they're like the god team in the in MLS, and it kind of came true like when I got into it. But I joined Soro on like the fifth of February, twenty twenty one, just before like the old Gary V boom. Um, got pretty lucky to be honest. And I, I remember like it was like it was lockdown time. I was sat in my bedroom, pretty sad, pretty emotional. And like, I watched the John Nellis introduction video to So Rare. And I went, I joined, I joined the market and it was pretty lucky because I went on the auctions. It was only rare cards, no limited at this time. And I I, I just randomly like bought this Damir Kralak card for like 17 pounds. And I'm sat there like, what have I just done? That is the biggest waste of money. I'm never going to see that again. And then I bought Rudy Camacho, Jungworth, Florian Vallo, like, I've never heard of these guys in my life. I'm just like, I'm just spitballing, buying random cards. Um, and kind of like my, my big break on Sora, which I kind of talk about is someone recommended me to buy Felipe Mora and he had like the Red X. Uh, when I first joined, I was in the Discord, like talking to like MLS experts and someone's like, oh, buy Felipe Mora. He's just re-signed for the Timbers. Buy him. So I bought him for like 0.022. It was like 20 quid, for example. And then, the, the Red X got removed and he was absolutely flying at the start of the season. And I listed him for 0.35 and someone marked market boy overnight. And like, I tell you, what, I see you shaking your head, Chris. I, I woke up and you can imagine I've put a few hundred pounds into this thing. Just sold markets off a 0.35 and like I almost had like a heart attack. I was like texting my mom, texting my missus, like you guys are not going to believe this. All my friends are like, it's a scam. It's a scam. Get your money out straight away. And here we are now, you know, um, so that's kind of, the story, how I got into the MLS. I mean, we can we can talk about now a bit more if you want about like why I love the MLS and why I think it's for me the the best league to play on Sora. I've got about 150 cards and most of them are MLS cards. Um, there's quite a few reasons for that. So why did you originally pick the MLS? Was it just kind of start of the season and you just wanted something that was going to last a long time, or did you have some sort of reason for going into the MLS? It was just pure luck. Like it was they were the cards that they were auctioning at the time when I joined. And like, I think when you when you very first join Sora, you don't really go to the secondary market. It's not something that you really know about, right? You go to the auctions as a new member. Um, and that's at least that was my experience. And it was just, it was MLS cards. And they were the first cards I bought. And they were the first cards I used. And I, I think the season wasn't going to start for about six weeks. And I remember I was buying all these cards and I couldn't actually play the game. 
for like six or seven weeks, you know. I, yeah, I distinctly remember the feeling of it was a similar story where I went on very uneducated about what this even was and a, a bit of a YOLO mentality. And I remember the feeling of like the first auction. I think it was a might have been a Felipe Anderson or someone because he's a West Ham links. And I was I uh, I remember the clock ticking down. And as the red came and the minute was going, it was only about I think it was about thirty pound card at the time, thirty dollar card. But I remember my heart started started beating a little bit quicker and I was yeah, getting a little yeah. bit of a rush and then someone else bid and then I was like bang bid again and you really get <laughs> caught up early days like I kind of miss that like nowadays you'll be spending you know sometimes an ETH here or there and it'll be be like it's nothing but them early days of that that's sort a of rush getting your first few cards on a platform was was yeah. unbelievable weren't it yeah I talk a little bit like what I love about the MLS I think that would be a good time like there's, there's, there's many reasons why I think the MLS is so great. And like the first thing for me, and I think we spoke about this in London, Chris, how like Americans just love points. Like you look at basketball, right? There's, there's points every like 10 to 15 seconds to keep the audience engaged. And like somehow, I don't know how they've done it. You guys might be able to touch on this more because you know the league better, but they've transferred that mentality to the, to the soccer. Like, what was it last week? Like 57 goals in like a certain amount of minutes and there's there's four fours, there's three threes all the time. Um, I don't know how they've transferred that to the soccer, but it, it works really well. But from a, like a solo perspective, I find it really easy to set my lineups. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but there's so many great tools out there like Rotowire, for example. It's so easy to just go on Rotowire. I can check injuries. I can check suspensions. They have their predicted lineups and they're pretty much spot on. I would say 95% accurate. So if anyone out there playing the MLS, I certainly recommend Rotowire. And then on top of that, you've got another layer. This is where like the community comes into it. So you've got Fripp at Sura USA, like his Freds before the game week. They're an absolute lifesaver. Um, I think that's like another reason why I really, really like playing the MLS on Sura. Uh, do you guys use the same tools as like Rotowire and, and uh, Fripp's Fripp Freds? So I don't, I don't use Rotowire, but I do use for a, a couple of times. And obviously we met him in London. He's a great guy as well. His name's Richard. Yeah. Um, so shout out to him. He's traveling all over the world. He's super jealous. Yeah, man. Uh, we are, we are going to get him on the, on the podcast as well at some point when he's uh, in a country that can uh, actually support Wi-Fi and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, great guy, really, really knowledgeable. He came from the MLS fantasy um, kind of community and they have some really great tools. Um, they track the injuries as closely as you can. I mean, that's one thing we do kind of complain about is that it's very difficult. Like coaches won't come out and say like, this guy's hurt. He picked up an, an injury in training. Like they'll just mm -hmm. not play him in the game, which is a little bit frustrating, but it's certainly not as crazy as like Asia or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, there are a couple great tools out there. How do you set your lineups, Nashi? Do you just kind of go with feel or where, where are you looking? No, no, yeah, yeah. Fripp's brilliant. Um, there's a couple other guys. I can't remember off the top of my head on Twitter that do great work. And what you're touching on there is the information's pretty, pretty good coming out for lineups where in some other leagues, it can be a little bit trickier. You know, when you start getting over to Asia or Russia, finding them predicted lineups ahead of time and injury news can be an absolute nightmare. So the MLS does do a good job of that. And touching on um, what Alex was just saying about the goals and the action and sort of why we think that is, I had the exact same question coming into the MLS. You're just seeing goals getting banged in left, right, and center. And I sort of had the same idea, like, is this a contrived thing or is this just like a natural byproduct of like the structure of the league with the finances, which Chris will tell you more about with like the 
designated players generally being attacking players, meaning the best players are the attackers, the worst players are the defenders as sort of a general rule of thumb. And just that in itself is enough to just make it an absolute goal fest. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have anything to add on top of that, Chris? Because I had that same question, Alex, coming in, and I'm kind of still, I kind of feel like it's a bit of a natural, but it would be a very smart thing if someone up the top said, all right, this is how we're going to structure it. Yeah, you you absolutely nailed it. And I think we'll kind of talk a little bit later about kind of the, the history of the league signings and like the different types of players that they've been signing throughout league history. And um, but yeah, the, the DP rule obviously was made for for David Beckham. It wasn't made for some, you know, it wasn't made for some defender. It wasn't made for Gigi Buffon to come over here. It was made for attacking greatness. Uh, and the defenders always just got paid minimum wage. And it was like, well, we don't really care about defense. We're just going to go play offense. And that's kind of just the way that, you know, the coaches who have been hired have, have wanted to play. That's the way that it makes the most sense to play, given the salary cap structure. Um, you are starting, you're starting to see more of an evolution now to like Chiellini's come into the league, which is more or less unheard of. Like, I don't remember another big, big name defender that has come over here. Um, and you've got guys that are, that are exporting to Europe that are pretty good. Like Mamadou Fall has just been linked to a move over to, to Europe. So that's um, Austin a good Trusty step in the right direction. Went to Birmingham as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Austin Trusty as well. That's a good one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's the way that the league was set up initially. But I think now that we're, you know, now that we've all got great, you know, five, six great attacking players up top, now they do kind of want to, like, fill in some of the defenders in the back to make it more competitive and and really take this to kind of a global scale. Yeah. I've got a, Nash, I've got a Nashi, was that intentional? The uh, asking Chris why there's so many goals in the MLS after DC just got. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you called me. <laughs> I would never do something like that to my uh, esteemed co-host. That'd just be that'd just be wrong. Just because to, I put a hex on your team, tonight. West Ham, does not mean you get to make fun of me on air now. Okay. I was gonna um, I was gonna ask you, Alex, because you mentioned the you come you being a big football fan, Premier League and stuff. And then coming yeah. to the MLS through Soro through a game, essentially. Mm-hmm. Do you find that like you because you were removed sort of emotionally and in terms of judgment of the players of the MLS, it helped you kind of gamify it through Soro a little bit and makes it more fun to play? Because I struggle with that sometimes in Europe where I have these preconceived ideas of certain players, and like I'll absolutely refuse to buy a guy, even if he like mm-hmm. smashes on so rare because I just hate him in real life or something. Whereas you come in with a clean slate in the MLS, you can look at these guys kind of unbiasedly and play yeah. them in the game more effectively. No, like absolutely. And like, I think when you, when you don't know the league, because I play Asia as well, right? I like, I play every single division I can. Um, and like, when you don't have a clue about the specific region or the leagues, you're, you're purely going off data and that can help you perform well because, you, you know, you're, you're using so rare data, player finder, you're looking at, the L15s, the L40s, the average AAs. And you're trying to find how I do it is I, I go on there, I look at like the L15s, who's the cheapest player that plays every single game. And I'm purely going off that. There's no sentimental value. I'm not getting sucked into kind of like the big names like Vanekun if I was playing like Challenger, you know. So I'm not paying these premium prices. I'm purely going off who scores well and who's cheap, which is why if you look at my gallery, I've got two Steve Clubs, right? He's contracted for another year at Houston. He's cheap. I've got players like Diego Chara, Pedro Santos. These are quite old guys. They score well. They can win me rewards. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of another reason why I think it is good to come in with like a, a clean slate and just literally use the data. Whereas I guess 
you two guys know the players, you know the teams, you know the leagues, maybe you do get sucked in maybe sometimes to, oh, I, I love this guy, even though he might not be that good, right? But you yeah, still buy him because you think... I've spent you, you, way you, too you, much you... money on Chicago Fire players uh, <laughs> to justify as a, as a, as a point <laughs> of example there. But no, it's, you're definitely right there. And like, I was thinking about it when I met up with a lot of, uh, a couple of SoRare meetups I went to. I met the SoRare data guys. A couple of other guys are really good performers on the game. They do really well with their return. They play the fantasy game excellently and they're all American. And it got me thinking that they, and they kind of can come in from not even having a history of the sport necessarily, even like in football, soccer. But so mm-hmm. that helps them just exactly what you're saying. Look at the data. Look at the players that make sense. Look at the matchups that make sense and just pick it out strategically and really play the sport as a game, you know, and it really helps them be successful. So that's kind of a nice idea for people who might be stuck in Europe and maybe not getting the rewards they want. I know there's been some controversy while I've been gone about some of this (laughs) stuff. We'll get into that, but um, maybe that is a new bridge they can make. They can say, all right, well, I'll have a clean slate. I'll pick one of these new leagues and I'll try and do it completely on behalf of the game and the strategy side of it to not have the sort of emotion tied in. So yeah, it's an interesting and topic. Yeah. That's that's really how, or that's why MLS is so great as well, because like in Europe, you kind of know who's going to be the great teams, right? You know, Ajax is yeah. going to be good. You know, Bayern's going to be good. Yeah. But we've talked about it length. I mean, even back in the YouTube channel days, I talked about it length about how the great part of MLS is there are undervalued players. Like year to year, you have no idea what's going to happen. Like Jack Price was the second best player on the on the platform last year. Now he's just about worthless. Like he's had so many injuries. He just he hasn't had any assists. I think he led the league in assists last year. It was like top five. And he has no assists this year, which is just a wild swing. Yeah. And he's also been hurt a lot. So like you get those kind of guys, but then you also get guys that just come completely out of nowhere. Like Quato Apoku has come completely out of nowhere. And all of a sudden he's a starter on the best team in MLS history. And, you know, he's he's competing with gareth bale for minutes right now like that's absurd to me um so i mean you can you can find some of these really undervalued guys um, you know you, you were talking there about um you know how there's there's no ajax there's no psg you know there's none that's another yeah. thing that's so great about this league there's no juggernaut so when you're watching the games you have no idea what's going to happen um unless they're playing dc and i'm joking but um wow but like, <laughs> no, bang, bang. to you guys jeez the point I want to make here is when I first started throwing the league last season, there were three teams that were absolute trash, right? Miami, Cincinnati, and Austin, right? And you look at those teams this year, look at Austin. Like they're, they're, they're playing the, the Cup, the Shield. They've got Juicy. They've got Alexander Ring holding it down. And then like Cincinnati, they've probably got the best front three in the league, which I've heard on multiple kind of tweets and streams. And you look at the scores and even Miami, like they're doing good stuff now. Like, it can change. And like when you're playing so rare, I think that like it's the level playing field more than any other, any other region. Like anyone can put in a lineup and they can, they can podium. I think that's more likely in the America region than the Asia and, and the Europe. By yeah, the way, think- you're talking about Cincinnati, Lucho Acosta and Brent and uh, Brendan Vasquez before the season were both under 0.05 for a rare card. And they're like, 10 times that now because they're just absolutely killing things um yeah. sorry go ahead nashi no i was just gonna say and i think like the from a so rare point of view and if you do pick up a team or you are a fan i struggle to buy the west ham cards just because they're essentially useless in champion europe and then they're kind of overpriced and kind of useless in every division but you want to own the cards you like 
and yeah. a quirk of the MLS with Chicago Fire. They were terrible when I bought the cards. They've not been great, but I still think like if I pick out the best couple players in that team, like you say, a couple more sign-ins, and next year they could be a real powerhouse. That they could be a effective cards on Syria. Um, so yeah, I the parity in the league is really unique. Really don't get it anywhere else. I have a kind of a question, I guess, to you, Chris. Do you think that the parity in the MLS may actually hurt it overall as a whole from a fan perspective? Because when you look at other countries, you think of Man United in England, you know, Ajax, almost having that big team that gets like an exponentially big following year on year because they're dominant and most people are glory hunters. Do you think people like, do you think like the absence of like kind of a dynasty team, like this glamorous team in the league stops more onboarding more fans who can kind of jump in and say, oh, like I'm a Lakers fan, like they do in other sports or like, do you know what I'm saying? You don't really have like that big flagship team where you might go, I don't know how it is in Germany or Netherlands, but you'd expect there'd be like an abnormally amount, large amount of Ajax fans or Bayern fans than there are these other teams. Whereas, so for like TV viewership and stuff like that, I'm just thinking of devil's advocate. Do you think the parity has any negative sides for for the sort of market in the league and a growth the MLS? Yeah, so first, before I answer that, did you just say Man United as a big team? What? <laughs> Have you watched them play recently? Um, sorry, no, yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, yeah, you're right, 100%. Like, I think the salary cap is kind of holding back some of the bigger teams like LAFC, like Atlanta, like NYCFC. These teams have some serious cash. Like, they have some money that they could be dropping to get, like, you know, 30, 40, $50 million players to come in. But in the MLS rules, like, you're only allowed three of those guys. You know, you're only allowed um, anything else, like any other type of signing. The transfer fee applies to, like, their salary cap. So you really can't spend too much. Um, there's some like different rules, like the U23 signings and all that stuff. But um, without getting too deep into that, yeah, I think trying to hold down the top teams so that the the last place teams or like the weaker teams can still kind of compete. Maybe we're not at that point anymore. Maybe we've kind of you know gotten past that point to where even the last place teams aren't going to just completely fold and die like they would have in like 2010 if we just let the top teams start going. So yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely an argument to be made there that you could take a little bit of the a little bit of the restrictions off and kind of you know push the gas down a little bit and see how good you can make some of these teams. Um, but yeah, I, I everybody loves to you know whether you love the Yankees or you hate the Yankees, you always watch the Yankees because you either love them or you hate them. Like there is no in between. There's not really a team like that. I mean, Seattle is kind of that way, but um, it would be great to see like NYCFC build a new stadium and just start buying players and just go nuts on the whole league. Like any team in New York that wins and is, it is dominant is going to get attention. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're sort of onto something there. So like there are obviously positives and negatives with, with everything, but um, I think we're at a point now to where maybe we can kind of start to, to take the reins off a little bit. Um, well, it, seems, now, it seems like, it seems like it's happening a little bit, or at least on an individual signing level, like the caliber of, talent that's come into the league in the last year in this season really seems like exponentially larger than ever before and the impact then players are making and their attitude once they've entered the league seems different than other big signings in the past I guess I'll ask Alex like I'm obviously English but I've lived in uh, the States for 12 years now so I can't really say that I'm in touch with a feeling when you get the news is there a any sort of awareness in England, in your group of friends, in people you talk football with, sort of outside of so rare, 
of these transfers of these players? Because I mean, Lorenzo Insigne, Bernadeschi, they're mm-hmm. still known sort of household names for football fans, I guess, in England. Are people starting to pay a little bit more attention sort of on a ground level? I know it's kind of subjective and stuff, but like, do you notice people talking about it? Is it coming up on Sky Sports every now and then? Is there a little bit more buzz around it sort of on the ground now? I think a little bit. Like you asked about like my immediate friend group, they're all like Man United, uh, like Man United, crazy, you know, Premier League following. Like in my immediate group, like there's not much noise about the MLS. But if you, you know, MLS is, is shown on Sky Sports. So we get like one or two games a week. If it's like an 8 p.m. kickoff in the UK, which it's got to be super early in the US, right? But we, we do get sometimes some games on Sky Sports. Um, but in terms of like some of some of the transfers making some waves, like Gareth Bell's is one of the biggest ones, right? He's like, uh, I'm going to call him British here. <laughs> Obviously, you know, it's a Welsh legend, right? Gareth Bell, he's one of the biggest players in world football, multiple Champions Leagues, you know, that iconic overhead kick. And for someone to him to go to the MLS is huge. And we were talking about, um, before we hit record, about Ricky Puig, you know, the the youngster from Barcelona. And this is quite an interesting one, actually. He was one of my biggest holds on Football Index, which I don't know if you guys are aware of that platform. But I kind of followed Ricky Puig, like his, his kind of career from... When I joined Football Index, he's now, you know, 20. We're not going to talk about what happened now. We all, most people know about that. Um, but, you know, 23-year-old in his absolute prime, right, joining LA Galaxy. I think we were talking about it earlier again as well, how like some of, you know, in you know, you look back like over the last 10 years, some of the transfers that have gone to the MLS, like Perlo and like Gerard, they kind of weren't in their prime, right? They were like marketing signings. Who, who can bring the money in? Who can bring the eyes on to... Who can bring people into the stadium to buy tickets to watch these players? Where it, it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. Players like Ricky Puig, players like Insignia, Bernadeschi, um, you know, these guys, Jared and Shakiri, right? He started pretty slow, but you look at sofa score, then them key passes just keep ticking up for Shakiri, right? He's, he's actually impacting the game. Um, so, like, for me, the, like, the future of MLS is, is really bright. And I think that's supported with the Apple TV deal, um, the so rare deal, getting the actual kind of the, the kits and the badges on the cards. I think, you know, the, the MLS is only going in one direction and that's that's forward, right? Yeah, I mean, I, there's so, yeah, I think we're all on the same page here. There's a lot of excitement, whether you found the league through so rare for being a fan. I think we are all optimistic about the MLS right now. I've been away a bit out of touch, traveling, some family stuff going on. And I'm sort of coming back into the so rare realm slowly and surely. And optimism isn't the landscape that I'm sort of stumbling back onto. There's been some dramas, there's been some decisions, been some changes. I know you both have your ear to the ground a lot on it. <laughs> Alex, what's been going on, mate? What's what's the drama? What's sort of your opinions on it? Fill me in. Oh, I mean, I don't want to bring any more, you know, toxic language into into the community. I think like there's a lot of negativity on Twitter right now. And I think that's been fueled by new season cards being launched, which so are contracted to do, right? They're always going to bring out new cards. That's, that's the business plan. Um, and like a lot of the negativity, I think there's, there's multiple factors. It's not just one thing. I think some pretty poor decisions from so around announcements and launching second league divisions, insider trading, I don't know if you guys want to go into that or not, but there's been a lot of talk about insider trading. And I think there's a couple of other reasons. I think the SoRed data paywall 
I tweeted a few weeks ago saying there's going to be a lot of uproar when Sora Data release a paywall. I think they absolutely deserve to. They're in every right. It's an absolute brilliant website. I call it the Sora Bible. You know, they're within their right to to release the paywall and at very affordable prices, fifty euros or a hundred euros for the year. However, you know, I like to see both sides of the argument. I do think that is going to impact new users coming into the platform because if you're not, if you aren't using Sora Data you are at a significant disadvantage to the rest of the people playing the game. And they want the game to be kind of cost-effective to join. And if you need now to pay for the data, it's going to impact some of the new users, some of the, the bottom feeders joining the game. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. And another thing, like there's been a huge drop in ETH price, right? So people are looking at their, uh, looking at their gallery values. ETH has dropped dramatically. It's gone from £3,500 and it's now sitting at about £1,300. So the gallery values are not where they once were. Someone that had a, a $15,000 gallery, it may now be sitting at six, $7,000. That's nothing to do with Sora. That's ETH dropping in value. Yeah. So I'm sure there's many other reasons, but I just think there's like so many things being tossed into the fire and it's creating this huge bonfire of stress and emotions in the community. Um, you know, that's my opinion. and. I don't know. Chris has probably got his own thing to say. I, I probably, I probably touched on a lot of different things there. It's probably a lot to take in. You did. You did. I don't. I don't know where I'm going to yeah. go first. So, yeah. first of all, like, we just need to all like take a collective breath and just like release and just okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge, a huge kind of uproar about just everything right now. The thing that I think has gotten to me most was a bunch of random accounts buying a ton of second division players that were relegated. And then two weeks later, so comes out and says, Hey, we're going to cover second division. And all these guys have just made absurd amounts of money. I, d I do think that's going to get sorted though. Just like, you know, I, I think they're going to be able to track like who did that. And I think they're going to be able to take care of it. Obviously a big problem if it came from Sora itself. Um, but if these guys were just, you know, if these guys were just kind of rogue warriors trying to do their own thing and they caught wind of something and went after it, I mean, I think that they're going to, they're going to get what the, what's coming to them. The rest of everything else I think is just, uh, I mean, it doesn't really raise alarm bells for me, you know, like, so we're a daily going up on a paywall. We've expected that for a long, long time now. Like we've gotten, I've been on this platform for almost two years now. Like we've gotten two years of world-class analytics completely for free. I've made how much money off of Sora data like I can a hundred percent give them, you know, a hundred dollars a year. And if you're talking about new users coming in, just, just go with the monthly option. You know, it's $9 for a, for a month. It's $5. If you want to go for the the smaller package or whatever, I mean, you you don't have to have a really big budget to be able to make $10 in so rare in a month. Like it's not that hard to do. And then once you've made a, once you've made a, a couple of months worth of profits, you can just buy the year and then you're, you know, you're good to go. So, I mean, I, I do understand that it's a little bit tougher for people who haven't, you know, who aren't really used to it yet. And it's tougher for new people to get involved, but I don't think it just completely stops the game. Like everyone's saying, as far as the actual coverage of the second division, it, it really doesn't change much for me because we've been adding teams and divisions all over the world for years now. Like this, this is nothing new. Like they've added you know, a Norwegian team, nobody cared about that. I mean, it, it's not like, so like when you added a Dutch team, right? You could be adding Ajax. You could be adding the top team in that league. If they're just better than everybody else, they don't have anywhere to go up. Whereas if you're in France too, you're in the championship. If you're better than everybody else, you move up to the Premier League the next season. So you can't just have 
sustained dominance for years and years and years, like you can at, at, at Ajax or at, you know, RB Salzburg or, or wherever else. So for me, yeah, I don't think a lot of the jokes this week about St. Etienne losing six nil, I think it was in, in the second division, um, which I thought was funny, but a lot of that doesn't, doesn't really move the needle for me. It, it just means more rewards, you know, which is all what we've all been kind of clamoring for more, to, more covered teams means more rewards. Yes. It means more cards in the market. So there'll be more supply, but it also means more rewards. So you have more of an incentive to buy those cards to, to now go play the game. So there's a lot going on. I think a lot of people are just kind of frustrated in general. I think it's a tough time. And I think Sower has grown to the point where, you know, we, we have our trolls now, like we have our, guys that just want to watch the world burn and just are going to be negative no matter what happens. Um, so I, I'm not really, you know, going to get caught up in it too much. I, you know, I'm just thankful that we have this game and that I've met all these crazy people. I took a trip to England. Like I could never have done that without so rare. So, I mean, I look at where I've come in the last year and a half and I'm like, there's no other platform that could have gotten me anywhere close to this, even if it all burns to the ground, like it was still going to be all worth it. You know what I mean? So it's been a lot. I'll, I'll have you react live here because we didn't tell you any of this pre-show. What, what do you I think mean, about I, all this, Nashi? It's, it's often like it's different issues, but I feel like the the sentiment often comes from the same place. And it's from people who don't, who maybe share a different viewpoint of what so rare is and so rare as a company's responsibility. And I don't think they've necessarily defined where, if you look at so rare as a market, as a game, as a sort of a free market, you know, and then so rare are kind of this centralized thing as a company in between how far are they obliged to sort of step in to control the market and that relates to these issues to do with the prices of cards we know there's going to be new cards released every season they've been transparent about that it's not their responsibility in my opinion to to manage when the cards come out to try and reach a certain price and make sure prices net that's not it's a free market if you think of it like that and then the market will do what they want to do. If there's good players, I'm sure some players have still gone up, some gone down. There's more cards available. That has no impact on how fun the product is, how good the game is, how much people are going to enjoy it. It might actually help. People might think that's a bonus. We These same people are probably moaning that prices were too expensive six months ago. You know, now prices come down because there's new release. They're moaning about that. So maybe has the product got worse is what I'd ask them people. There's a lot of things in the last six months that I think they've really improved the product, both in the marketing department, some of the partnerships they've made are huge in the world, of, in the, just the footballing world, outside of sort of fantasy web free. And in the gameplay, I'm really enjoying sort of the new game modes they're doing. You can see they're trying to think around problems in fun and innovative ways. So if you see Sora as a free market, is it their responsibility to step in? That's questions you've got to ask yourself, you know? And people are saying yes for some instances, but then don't like it when they do it for others and sort of the blame's going in between. And the same thing kind of, it's a little bit more dicey with the insider trading where there's actors out there that may be going on information that has been passed from inside the company, but that's very hard to prove. And I think with right. what's happened here, there are there's enough of a, I guess you could call it reasonable doubt where you could say people could be speculating on this thing. And so the problem that Soria has, I think, as a company is in sort of a free market, morality, sort of a moral judgment on a situation shouldn't really be, that doesn't have any value, any weight. It doesn't, it's not really a thing, you know? So it's hard for them to step in here and say, well, you've bought up all these cards two weeks before the release and benefited from it, you know? But then someone else might say, oh, my uncle's a scout at DC United and he told me 
that they're looking at buying this player X and you buy up a couple of them on that speculation, you know, now are you, is that guy banned? Also insider trading. Yeah. Is that kind of, that's insider trading, is it? I mean, or this guy follows Bo, Tom Bogart's reported, oh, I think that they might be in talks with this guy. And then I go off that information because Tom Bogart, hey, so where do you draw the line is the question. Right. Everyone will have a different answer. So there's no way that SoRare can easily step in and make everybody happy there. For a lot of us, you'd say, again, I don't like the idea. It doesn't sit right with me that somebody might pass it on to their mate and they sort of take a, an advantage over that competitively. Seems a little unfair, but I also see it from the same side. If SoRare is close to a free market, which I think a lot of people like the idea of, then you can't really expect them to sort of step in in these sort of it's really hard for them both sides so i think the outrage is kind of it's always coming from the same place it's people worrying about their own investment financially and then they their own feelings their own emotions about how they're doing they transpose and put a blame put that weight onto so rare through some of these decisions that can be one thing one week one thing the next week and i think because now is a time where there's a bit of volatility in the crypto market there's a worldwide potential global recession going to happen there's People are probably overexposed. There's new yeah. seasons, there's new cards, there's new teams, there's new leagues. It's all a bit up in the air. Things are changing and people kind of um, are reacting to that, to how they feel emotionally. You and spoke there about um, like people, you, you mentioned people like so concerned about their investments, right? Which people definitely probably are a little bit too invested if you see some of the tweets going out, right? Um, but if you look at it from a SoRare point of view, in the last like 18 months, they have grew from this tiny little fantasy football trading card game to this huge corporation, right? They're valued at insane amounts of money. They've now got an office in a different country to where they originally did, right? They've now got two offices. And if you look at the comms that come out from SoRare, it's never about money. If you look at the Mbappe auction, the Haaland auction, the uniques, right? Some of them were talking like half, you know, $500,000. SoRare will not tweet about that. It's not about the money and if you look at the the Fabrizio Romano deal they did this week where Fabrizio was talking about so rare and how he signed as a partnership one of the first things he says and this is obviously a script right one of the first things he says is so rare the free-to-play game so I'm just gonna leave that there you know yeah and I think a lot better at that at baseball than they have in soccer for to be fair like soccer is not really a free-to-play game for me but baseball kind of is you, it's a lot easier, at least, let's say, uh, with the baseball side of things. So I think they're testing some things there, and, and they can kind of come back to soccer with with some good ideas, maybe. Um, and I do, I do just want to, I want to kind of move things along and talk about some of the games that happened on the field. But just correct me if I'm wrong here, Alex. Most of the most of the issue here is not that people were buying these cards on speculation. Most of the issue is like they were brand new accounts that are clearly like shill accounts that are multi accounters that uh yeah that they were doing it to kind of protect themselves that way um so i think that's where your issue is that's where they're violating the terms and conditions was multi-accounting not necessarily like the insider trading stuff right yeah there's tons of accusations i'm not gonna name any names you know live on live on our podcast but it's, if you go on twitter you, you won't take you too long to find out some information around who's doing this who's doing that but yeah i think it's not just insider trading which you know there's, there's a million ways it can leak you know, we they they just signed on five new leagues, right? That could be up to a thousand people that know about this deal in marketing for these leagues. Um, so it might not even be so rare this leaked information. It could be someone within the leagues themselves. But I think the multi-account accusations is is definitely played a big part in this. 
But yeah, this is so in the stage. This is meant to be an upbeat, yeah. positive, happy, chappy podcast, right, guys? <laughs> Oh, we're definitely we're definitely more positive than most people, I think, on Twitter right now. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little let's talk a little footy. We haven't gotten to the games from this weekend because I, I was working. Nashi's been over in London, and obviously you live in London, so it's obviously very difficult for you guys to watch games. I got to watch the Friday night game, which was Seattle and LA Galaxy, and man, Seattle is just like they are they're so good. Like they're the best nine seed I've ever seen in my entire life. Like they're just dominating teams. And like the Galaxy just got it absurdly lucky in this game. They had a cross that went in for a goal, that a penalty, which in my view is no way should be a penalty. Like it's a corner and there's like four guys go up to challenge for the header. And one guy heads it and hits another guy's arm, which is outstretched. And they called a penalty. Like, what is he supposed to do? Move his arm in the three inches from the guy's head to his arm? Like, it's ridiculous. And that was when they were up 3-2 after having been down 2-0. They scored three goals to get back up three, two. And then they got a dagger in like the 94th minute from that. Um, I I thought they were the better team outside of maybe the first 10 minutes. I thought they were dominant. Clearly they've been missing Rui Diaz, Seattle. um, And he played and it was much, much better this time around. They kind of switched the formation a little bit, went back to the back three, which I like. So I, I still believe in Seattle, but Man, they're running out of time to start getting some results. But if they can just sneak into the playoffs, guys, like I don't think anybody wants to play them. Um, anybody have any any thoughts on Seattle? Have you watched any Galaxy games here lately, or, or Seattle games, or anything that you want to go with there? I um, well, I just won a uh, JMO Jordan Morris Super Rare, which is one of my best card wins in a long time. So I think I'll be paying more attention to them um, for the rest of the season here. And my concern for for Seattle is yeah you say they're dominant in this game but they're they're shipping goals you know they're losing games they're when you look at some of the other top teams in the league I haven't you don't see Philadelphia concede three goals very often even LAFC they're not conceding three very often you know can say there's a bit of bad luck but Seattle don't look as assured as kind of maybe on paper we think they are because you look at them on paper individually you think he's brilliant great solid 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 and they're just not quite clicking. And we've kind of been working under the assumption, and I know you talked about early in the season, where we'd see this happening and them not quite getting the results. And we were kind of under something, yeah, but they always do that. And then they kick on at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And as the weeks are going on and that conference looks really tight in there and some other very good teams around them, which I think is an important factor, you, you, you can't imagine that the Sounders aren't going to make the playoffs. But... When you look at it right now, you, you're kind of thinking, well, that, that was a game they probably should have won. And how many games? Yeah. It starts to get a little bit dicey. And uh, I'm smiling because I think that's kind of exciting. That's the beauty of the MLS. And you see a team like Salt Lake are just hanging up there. They're, they're chilling. Mm. You know, they're, they're, everyone grinding. The teams behind you think, oh, they, they haven't got a hope in hell. And it's really the time of the season now. And I'm not writing Seattle off by any stretch. I'm not that brave yet. But... It's a time of the season where these teams that are going to go there and separate themselves and show themselves need to start doing it. And an example, yeah. we can maybe get to them in a bit, but Dallas, since we last recorded a couple yeah. of weeks ago, since I was on, they've put some results together that have been statement results that said, all right, we're here. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to, they've made some statement, statement performances. And I was kind of expecting that more from a Seattle and maybe even an LA Galaxy could have, they've been kind of doing the same, flip-flopping around. They look a bit terrible, but they've been getting some good results, a bit sporadic, a bit like Dallas were 
before this last sort of month. And sort of it's now in the hands of these teams to take it by the scruff of the neck. And yeah, Dallas have really been a shining example of what I was kind of expecting Seattle and even Portland and, you know, these teams to do. Yeah. So um, I think from Dallas, my point of view, like, Dallas in Minnesota like, too. coming from like an outsider's point of view from like, you know, not someone that's diehard about the league, like I spoke earlier about how, you know, I see Seattle as like, you know, the God team in MLS, but I think it's been a tough year for them. Like, you know, like softly throwing the league, like about a ton of injuries, right? Ariega's been out, had a spell out. Yaimar's had a spell out. You know, they're two key centre-backs. Raul Diaz has just come back and, you know, come straight back in with a goal and an assist. And I think people forget about how important Jao Paulo was for that team. You know, they they got Danny Leva who's come in, the 19-year-old. He's he's playing like fantastic, don't get me wrong, but Jao Paulo, he, he, he's the one that turns the cogs in that team. If, correct me if I'm wrong. You are 100% correct on that one. And you forgot one that has broke onto the scene early this year. Obed Vargas was absurd early this year. He carried them at times. Um, and he's like 16, 17 years old. He's out for the year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. clearly Zhao Paolo is the biggest of those guys. And he's the one that's out for the year. He's the one that kind of has made, made you know, the secret sauce in Seattle really for, for a long time. You talked about Seattle shipping goals. They actually don't really ship goals. They've only given up 34 goals this year. They've LAFC and Dallas are better. That's the only two teams in the in the Western Conference that are better defensively than Seattle. They just can't score. They've only got 35 goals. Like they're plus one, but they just don't score. Now Rui Diaz is back, which is why I think I think they're in good shape. And they're only one point back at the playoff line, and they have a game in hand on Vancouver. The problem is Nashville, Portland, and Colorado are all in the same boat. Like Nashville is in the same Portland is in the same and Colorado's one point behind those guys. So there's just a lot of teams that we kind of expect to kind of kick on. And do you guys go. think, you know, if, if Seattle can squeeze into that, into that playoff, do you guys think they can make a run? You know, they're, they're looking pretty no, strong at the moment. Nobody wants to play no. Seattle. Nobody. No. I guarantee you that. Um, I mean, you, you talked about Dallas being really good. Minnesota is also really good. Minnesota got a big result against Austin this weekend. I think those two teams have kind of secured spots without, you know, a mass, it would take a pretty massive failure at this point for those two teams to miss. Talk about RSL kind of grinding out results where everybody else is getting draws. They've now got a four point cushion. I'm still not ready to call them fully in yet. Um, but yeah, RSL is in, in that same spot, but yeah, nobody wants to play Seattle. And on the other side, nobody wants to play Toronto. Like Toronto is coming like a freight train on the Pozuelo, Eastern conference, man. but exactly. Pozuelo got revenge game on them uh, on Monday or on, sorry, not on Saturday. Uh, and Miami is now sitting pretty, 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 pretty. Is that, is that the right phrasing? I don't think that's right. Uh, Miami's sitting well, Toronto is at 30 points, still only four back of the line, but it's just really crowded in there. Uh, and, and we talked about your, your boys down in Chicago. They're still, Still about four points back. Are you still uh, still got a lot of confidence down there, Natchi? Well, we were recording before the game tonight, and um, yeah, I'm still standing. I think we will beat New York City. And Alex actually said we're a favorite of the bookies, which is a surprise. But yeah, a few weeks ago we were talking about it, and I just I don't know. I look at that fixture. I look at New York losing Tatty, such a figurehead of that team, such a danger, such a focal point of the attack, an elite player in the league, and. It's going to have an impact, like you said about Jao Paolo in Seattle. If you lose a player of that quality, especially in the MLS, there will be an impact, and they have other good players, the same as Seattle do. But you know, it still, still, still changes something. They got to adjust. They got to find their rhythm. And Chicago have sneakily been playing okay. We got pumped by 
Philadelphia, but um, I know you know all Who about doesn't? that. No shame, no shame there. It's a tough fixture. We gave it hey, a good thirteen. Go. Nothing is pretty close over two games. Okay, we're not yeah. that far away. Yeah, but um, it's like a rugby score. Yeah, good win away at Chicago <laughs> bef- at, at Charlotte before that. I don't know. I wouldn't really like in my heart hearts be confident that Chicago are a favorite to make the playoffs, but they 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 are in the picture. Then you, I wouldn't write them off by any stretch of the imagination. And it's kind of it's kind of the same in both conferences where you look at it and yeah, like I wouldn't say RSL are safe. Out. You know? Nobody's out. Nobody's out and nobody's in. Yeah, like I'm just surprised they're still there. You know. Yeah. And it, I was thinking when you were talking to go back to the Sounders, how absurd would it be for the team that wins the uh, CCL to then not make the playoffs in the same season? Like I, <laughs> I yeah. mean, that would just be there's a story in that in itself, but. And yeah. also, Seattle has never missed the playoffs in franchise history. They've made it every single year that they've been a team. Yeah, and I'll be I interested think... to see, um, you know, who who starts tonight for Chicago because that John Duran come in right, Nashi. You probably know more about these guys than me, but he he looked like a bulldog watching the highlights, like just running after everything. Great finishing, and you know, Shabilko seems started the last couple of games, and I think shout out Chris Meller, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I do hold him, but his AA score is, is is strong for a forward card. Yeah, his forward card is is an excellent card. Um, definitely one to look out for for a bit of sneaky value. I'm not sure what the price is, but I, I do have one as well. A bit of a Chicago rundown on some of these young players they have. Um, John Duran came in and he's he's brilliant. He's a talent. He's 18 years old, Colombian. I think he's just absolute athlete. He's not quite refined yet, but the sky is the limit for the kid. He's there bullying grown men week in, week out. He burst onto the scene. And if you've got his card, you've been watching him, and then he was getting a start over Kaspar, who just not not really done it this season with Chicago. Kaspar doesn't work in a team that doesn't work, and it, Chicago weren't working <laughs> at the start of the season. And because he don't he can't do it on his own. So John Duran came in, he was making a difference. He was stretching the lines and he was flying. And a little he then um got caught on some sort of social media Somebody asked him, oh, how's Chicago? Like, And he said in his native tongue, but he said, oh, I want to leave. But then he got picked up by the media. He had to do an apology. Um, okay. He's sort of in the bad books. He's on a naughty step um, with Ezra Hendrickson now because obviously that's not a good look to say that it's pretty shitty where you're playing at. you know. <laughs> From a, so he's a young kid. Yeah. I'm sure he's got to take, take the lessons now and learn. Um, but that's why Casper's had a sniff back in a team. And... Since he has, he's scored a couple goals and put in a couple decent performances himself. So it's all to play for there. Um, but yeah, John Duran for the future could be frightening if he uh if he puts it together. But hopefully, you know, mentality at that age is a lot to learn. Another player that's a bit sad for was Carlos Turan. Another, I think he's 19 years old, big athletic freak of a center half. Looks a bit shaky when he came in, a bit of a donkey on the ball. But a second, once he got a run of games, he was absolutely brilliant down there. And Chicago's run for that part of the season was sort of a big part for him. And I don't see anyone outside of the Chicago sort of base that I follow talking about how well he done. But he got a season-engine injury um, a couple of weeks back, unfortunately for him. But he's a big talent for the future. And another one, my last little Chicago um, wax lyrical here is for Fede Navarro. He's a bit older, not as sort of unrefined, but he's been absolutely incredible in a, a sort of CDM role for Chicago. So yeah, there's definitely some young talent there. I just don't know if it's enough to get them 
to get them in the playoffs because there's a couple of teams they were looking better than earlier on, sort of Toronto's and stuff, like Chris said, have started putting it together now. So, um, yeah, and in in that um, in the Eastern Conference, another team that for different reasons, sort of we talked about Dallas making a good run and capitalizing on this last little period. When you look at Orlando there, they've almost done the opposite. They were looking good the last time we sort of done a little valuation there, Chris, and they've really slid out of contention. They seem like they've got no traction, no momentum. Obviously, they have talent in that squad. Do you kind of know what's going on up over there? Or Yes, I mean, they, they just haven't been able to put things together here. They've had a bunch of tough games in a row. They have a massive, massive game today against uh, Charlotte. It was another kind of playoff lingering team. If either of those two teams can win, it puts them back in the conversation. If nobody wins, it just keeps us where we are with just a free-for-all mess in the middle. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know um, our our guest on uh, soccer last week was Jorge. He's a big Orlando fan, and we talked kind of at length about Orlando. And obviously, we had Trippin' B on as the guest host, and he's a big Charlotte guy. So they're actually both going to the game today. Um, and I think they're sitting together. So that would be really fun to have a camera on them and just see what happens. Um, but best of luck to both of those two teams. Orlando definitely going the wrong direction. Um, Miami's definitely going the right direction. Miami with Pozuelo looks actually dangerous now. Like they've they've added that one piece that they were missing and it was a gorgeous piece. And Pozuelo just does not fit Bob Bradley's system whatsoever. So I would almost just throw out every score that he had in Toronto and just look at 2020, 2021, and so far in Miami, and use that as like your L40, because this dude's an absolute monster. Like he's MVP quality when he's in the right system and he and he's kind of getting, you know, because he doesn't really track back. He doesn't really play. And in a 4-3-3, kind of have to track back. Like you can't just not play as a midfielder. Um, but they Miami's put him in a much better spot and, and they're kind of going up and, and got a big result against Toronto. Um Go another field. team. Kind of no, going in the wrong direction is Atlanta, too. Yeah, Atlanta, like I said, their mentality was shocking when I've seen if something's not right down there because they got the talent. And they're just a team I, I kind of like, I've just, I've sort of got a bit of a grudge against them because I kind of want them to do well. I went to the stadium, we went to the stadium, and I had a bit of a affinity with them. And every time I watch them, I just end up being disappointed, frustrated. I can't imagine being a real fan of theirs. And it, it's yeah. more the attitude you, of the You player. and I both said they could win the East this year. That's how good they were on paper. <laughs> And they're in 13th. They're only above DC United. Um, yeah. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's shocking. And a, a lot of people have asked me, a lot of people have asked me, like, who, you know, what stack are you going to try to get next year? Because obviously MLS is a very topsy-turvy league. Um, and a lot of the time, my answers are going to be like Atlanta. My answer is going to be Seattle. My answer is going to be Colorado. Sporting Kansas City is another good one. Um, Alex, what do you think is a good, like, stack that's kind of undervalued? Maybe guys that aren't performing really well this year. Um, either offensive, defensive, or just like everything, a, a team that you might like like for next year. You know, I, I'd like, we've already spoke about him in a bit of depth, but like, I think Chicago, you know, like you, you give you give Shakiri a bit more time to bed into the league because we didn't even speak about Shakiri once earlier. Like Nashi was talking, you know, he had like a five minute monologue back then about Chicago. We didn't even speak about the main match, Jared and Shakiri, you know, Shabilko, he's done it before. Um, he's absolutely lit up the league. So him and Shakiri getting a bit more kind of connection together. Chris Morales on fire. You know, I, I see Chicago as a, a potential team and that could do really well. And they've got the financial backing. It's a huge city. It's a huge sports city, right? You guys know uh, America more than me, but Chicago is a huge sports city. That would be my shot. 
I, I actually like I know I'm biased, but I really think that's an astute observation because they're kind of like I said, these young pieces that we just spoke about, they're not taking up salary cap, but they've been performing and they're gonna get better. And there's mm-hmm. players who are I think Gaston Jimenez will leave. He's a good player. He's proven in the MS, he's a solid player, but I think he'll leave that DP spot. I'll open one up. And then you're looking at Shakiri, looking at essentially the team they have now. Uh, Shehos has come in and been brilliant. He's their captain, a leader at the back defensively. Obviously, they're losing Slanina, probably. They got Chris mm. Brady coming through. I don't know if he's ready yet, but they've got a lot of young pieces coming in. If they you had an extra DP spot and they really go out with some of that. Slanina money, I'm not sure how it all works, and get another top, top tier player added to what all they've already got. With Jairo Torres will be there and have a full season in fitness. He's just coming right now. It's too late for him to really say he's had a good season. Chris Mueller's a local Chicago boy. I don't see him moving anywhere, even though he's had a good season. Shakiri's there for a while. Casper, maybe they move him on, maybe he fits in as part of a rotation. But if they brought in a DP number nine like Columbus did behind, around that team, they've got good players defensively. You're right. I think they're a couple of pieces away and they kind of have it shaping up where I could see that happening. So I know I'm biased. I don't like pumping my own players. I, you know, <laughs> have a lot of, <laughs> I've a lot invested in Jordan Shakiri. So when he was doing terrible, I didn't mind talking about him. I don't have a conflict of interest or uh, I don't want to manipulate to, the market. To be yeah. honest, Chris, like, you ask, you know, you've been getting questions from from all, all sorts of people around like potential MLS stacks. Like from a Sora perspective, I don't actually think MLS stack is the way to go. I mean, this is spoken about the death, but I think, you know, MLS midfield attacking stack linked up with maybe like an Argentine, if we're talking about champion America here, with like an Argentinian defense is the way to do it because the amount of goals in the MLS, unless you're New York City, Sean Johnson and, you know, Callens, you're not going to pick up regular points at the back in the MLS. So I think you need to look elsewhere, you know, especially if we're looking at some of these lower tier MLS teams, like as someone that holds two Steve Clarks, trust me. You don't yeah, want... Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of clean sheets in Houston. Painfully. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something fact, to think about. Fun fact, who has given up the least amount of goals in the MLS this year? Which team? I'd say New York or Philadelphia. I'm not going to check. I mean, it can't be. I'd say Philadelphia, but it can't be them, I guess, if you're asking a question. It's 100% Philadelphia, yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, they (laughs) had the best defensive record through 20-something games. I think it was like 22. The best defensive record in league history. They've only given up 20 goals this year in 27 games, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, And they've scored 51, by the way. They're plus 31 in goal differential. They are, what, third in the league in scoring, and they're first in the league in defense, and nobody's talking about them at all. Nobody's talking about Austin at all, who's in second place in the West and has been an absolute revelation this year. Everybody just wants to talk about LAFC and how much star power they have, and that's great, but I don't – this is a weird league. Like, don't be surprised if LAFC doesn't win it. LAFC's, like, even money to win the MLS. That's way too high for anybody at this stage. Um, don't be surprised if someone else, you know, comes up and I fights LA, in Toronto or Seattle team, too. I think LA are the kind of team that, you know, could actually get caught out in the playoffs because they're one-off games, right? They've got all this star quality, um, like individual talents that can light up games. But I think when it comes down to that grit, grinding out 90-minute performance, I think you can get caught out there. And some of these some of these teams like, you know, they, they may not make it, but, you know, Columbus Crew or Nashville, some of these kind of teams that are like a unit, they maybe not got the star players or the star quality. I think they could catch LA out 
What do you? What yeah, do I mean, you look at look at Dallas the... too. Dallas is fourth in the league in defense, and they have that front three that is not fully been kicked on. But geez, like if those front three are playing in a single game, I don't want to face them. Like I don't want to face Ferreira and and Ariola and Velasco, knowing that I'm probably going to score one goal maximum. Like that's terrifying. Yeah, what, what were you going to say, Nashi? I was going to say to Alex, like coming, get becoming more familiar with the MLS. How do you appreciate? Have you got your head around? How do you enjoy as a sort of a, f- a new fan the playoff idea? Because it's kind of we have playoffs for certain things, but like the sort of bulk, basically half the leagues making the playoffs in each conference. Yeah, and it means that this time of year, every match we talk about these two matches this afternoon, Charlotte, Orlando, and the Chicago game. They feel like monumental six-pointers, you know. And yeah, then yeah, coming yeah. from the Prem, the Prem, usually the six-pointers come the last two or three games of the season where it's like a couple teams battling relegation or like maybe a top four or occasionally we have the title race like that. And you only get a few of them games between teams that are kind of not glamorous, but like massive, massive, massive games in the Premier League. But now if you look at a calendar for the running of the MLS, there's three or four games every They're all of them. game week. Yeah. But it just feel like these are massive must-win games. It's it's a cool thing as sort of fans that we are now. But like coming in, do you do you think that's uh, something that you'd like to see maybe in Europe? Maybe like how do, how could they work on that? Or you think that's just something that's unique to the MLS and we should just enjoy it? You literally like took the words out of my mouth in that very last line. Like I don't think this this format would work in in Europe. You know, like the promotion and the relegation is. It's history, right? You've got, you know, in some leagues, 100 years of history of, of, of teams. I think with the MLS, it's, it's a new league. You've got new franchises coming in all the time and it it links up with your other sports. And I think the reason, that, for me, the only reason this playoff format works is because there's no relegation. There's no second league to drop down to. So that's why the playoff works so well. And it is super exciting. I'm looking at the table right now. Um, this is the whole bracket. This is the West and the East. From LA down to Portland, there's 11th to 19th, and there's 34 points, 34 points, 34 points, 34 points, and then five teams on 33 points. So there's yeah. one point between these nine teams. It is crazy. So like, you know, how many games we got left? Is under 10 games, something like that. It's gonna be crazy. Eight, like some eight of for some of eight games, yeah. like some of the swings. But could you? It's gonna be super exciting. But I get to think about it. And I think it's through a bit of. Um, self-bias in the sense I'm a West Ham fan. Obviously, you're a Southampton fan who could sort of be in the same bracket as West Ham sort of traditionally if they, you know, maybe a step below now, but in the past, mm-hmm. where if if you took the same format and you said, all right, the top eight get to then go into a one-game knockout, basically cup, to win the Premier League, make it a Champions <laughs> League, whatever. Although there'd be pushback, I'm not sure I'd actually like that idea. Yeah. But like, as a West Ham fan now, you kind of think, well, what are we really trying to do? Like maybe scrape into the conference league. Like all these top teams now have just improved in in the summer in the Premier League. Yeah. The Premier League is the strongest it's ever been, in my opinion. Oh, so now for you, sure. you, sort of you get a team like West Ham, who's had a good best couple of seasons in a while until Chris died following them. Um, you know, <laughs> like we're in a good place essentially, but but realistically, like you you're already looking basically like we're pro- we're not going to get relegated most likely. We're not going to do anything. So it's almost like you, it, yeah, maybe I'm feeling it the most. And Southampton, you're kind of hoping, all right, not, you don't, you're trying to aim to not get relegated pretty much every year. You know, there's never that chance of like that 
glory. And I don't know whether they could ever bring that to Europe, but uh, it would be interesting to think about as a spectacle, like top eight straight into a playoff, top semi-finalist what if, the Champions League or something. Like, what, if, what if we just what if we just broke off like the six best teams in England and like the two best teams in Spain and like the two best teams oh, in Italy? No. <laughs> and just called it like I don't know, like a super league or something like that. I feel like that would be really fun. We should do that. Um, no, we, uh, we, we are running a little bit long on time. So I just want to see if you get, if you Nash, you have any other questions for Alex or anything like that, um, before we kind of wrap things up here. No, that was brilliant. I was, I was glad to get back on. It'd been a little, little hiatus, but since I've been on the, on the podcast, you, uh, you took care of business for us. I appreciate that. And yeah, I'm glad to meet Alex. Cause I know you guys got to meet in, uh, in London. Couldn't make that one, but yeah, we had a, I enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. Definitely. Thanks for doing it, Alex. We appreciate the insight. Um, and yeah, definitely let us know when, when we can get you back in. No, honestly, guys, it's been brilliant. I didn't think I was, would have much to add, but it turns out I know more about the MLS than uh, I thought I did. <laughs> there you go. That's you the d- beauty. You must have been listening. <laughs> you just need the self-confidence, buddy. We got you. You you, you know more than you think you do. <laughs> nice one. Cheers, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. 